0: Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 355. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, I truly have no idea. Usually, I have an idea. Okay. Like, here's the thing. I talk to a lot of people who like the show, and they say, man, you've been doing this for six years, 355 shows. Do you ever run out of things to talk about? And my answer is always no. And the reason it's no is because I know my wife has been reading three books on her (laughs) bedstand, so she's got three different sets of books ideas strolling around in her head. Books ideas? And I uh, actually have been reading a book, but I don't even know what I would share about it. So the answer to the question is... Yes, I do have some, I do run out of things to talk about, but my wife doesn't.
1: You actually, well, I appreciate that because I think you're trying to give me a compliment, but you don't. We never run out of things to talk about, you and me.
0: If you weren't here, this is what you would hear. And part of it is because I want to watch the second half of the Packers-Giants game.
1: I understand. I am glad that I appreciate us doing this today. We usually
0: do this in the mornings, but it's in the evening. That doesn't mean that I'm not bringing my A-game. Oh, okay. man. My A-game is getting brought is in it? a big way. Good. Big way. Good. Even though I have no idea what we're about to talk about.
1: My A-game is being brought, but I'm so cold. And I have a blanket on. And- it's a
0: frigid... 8 degrees outside.
1: And Todd made me turn the heater off cuz it affects the the taping of the show. Sweetie,
0: it's all about the listener's experience. I and if know. the listener, you know, turn them in a bad real quick. Okay. This is going to be a quick That's one. That's an
1: early turn in a bad. I know. We usually do that later. I know. in the show.
0: And I can't find it. But it's here somewhere. Okay. So sometimes you have to um, you know, just roll with do it. Do you
1: mean turn in a bad? There it is. in a bad. Turn in a bad.
0: White noise. That's a, that's my turn the bad. I know.
1: Todd gets really upset about it's the worst, it
0: is. and it's also the worst when uh, we get in a cold car and <laughs> I knew you were gonna you're sense. cold and you, you turn on the fans on high. Yes, it's cold. So now there's cold air blowing on you. <laughs> so basically, you're you're reducing the temperature in the car by turning the fans. You on You
1: know high. what I think happens to my brain in the car is it's kind of like running hot water. You know how when you want the hot water yes. to show up, so you run the water more because you're like, I need the hot water. I think I crank the fans thinking if I crank the fans, the hot water, the hot air will come faster.
0: I think there's something to the hot water thing. Uh I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if it just kind of slowly streams out the faucet, it it will take, I think, a while longer.
1: Well, you and I have an interesting situation in our bathroom because for some reason, the hot water takes a while to show up in the sinks. Have you noticed that?
0: But in the tub, it it shows up right away.
1: Right. But I think that's because the water pressure of the tub is so much stronger than a sink where it's like you're getting double the water at double the time or
0: Calling whatever. all plumbers, calling all plumbers. Please help us fix this <laughs> problem.
1: Well, it's just like, it's, you know, when I'm washing my face, I'm standing there and I feel bad because I feel like I'm wasting water. There's so many things we can feel bad about all the time. Like, I went to the grocery store today, I brought my bags, but then for some reason, and, and I understand, you know, for those of you who are listening who work at a grocery store, there are probably rules about things have to be separated a certain way and, and et cetera, but for some reason even when I bring my bags, I end up leaving with a bunch of plastic bags because they put plastic bags around like a cold food or they try and separate. and I always come home feeling like, ah, I'm trying not to use plastic bags, right? Or like, I know I'm not supposed to waste water, but I, can't, I don't want to wash my face with cold water. So I'm running the water, wasting water, wanting the water to get hot. Do you know what I mean?
0: Um, These are
1: not things that keep me up at night necessarily, but they make me conscious of the fact that there's many contradictory things we're supposed to be doing at once. You're
0: talking about grocery bags. And isn't there a um, thing that your family laughs about? And I think it's a deep thoughts quote by Jack Handy Uh about the sacks. Got
1: these sacks. Do you remember what that is? I want to pull it
0: up, but I don't know if I can find it.
1: It was in one of the Deep Thoughts book. For those of you who are SNL fans, remember Jack Handy. This isn't it,
0: but I'm going to play one anyways. Okay,
1: go ahead.
2: And now Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. Contrary to what most people say, the most dangerous animal in the world is not the lion or the tiger or even the elephant. It's a shark riding on an elephant's back, <laughs> just trampling and eating everything they see.
0: Okay. So. Here we are.
1: <laughs> that, was, that was Deep Thoughts, which I think that was what, the 90s? 80s. So around... Was it 80s? I don't know. No, I think it was in 90s. And then around that time, of course, when anything becomes big, you know, they put out books, right? Yeah, right. And so every book my family would buy and we would get them usually around Christmas and then we would read them and then we would laugh really hard.
0: Your family's very good at laughing.
1: I know. And so the one that we still say all the time is this one. This is a Jack Candy To me, it's always a good idea to always carry two sacks of something when you walk around. That way, if anybody says, hey, can you give me a hand? You can say, sorry, got these these sacks. sacks." So in my family, one of our inside jokes is when someone is going to go clean or going to go cook or going to go do something, people will say, got these sacks. I think that's great. I know. So that is where that comes from.
0: All right. What are we talking about today? Okay.
1: So, today we are going to talk about how certain experiences rearrange us. Okay. Okay. Um, so, experiences rearrange how we view our lives in the world. And I, I read a story that I thought you might appreciate. Um,
0: Me or the audience? Everybody.
1: You, everybody. Um, to everybody. Everybody. So, so in Baghdad, um, this is a story that I found in a book, okay? Okay. So in Baghdad, there was two Iraqi brothers, and they survived the war, and they immigrated to Spain. And the war had closed one brother while opening the other. Okay? The
0: experience so of the war.
1: Had closed one brother. Emotionally. emotionally. And open the other. So the closed one was always on alert, anticipating danger, prioritizing, like trying to figure out how to get through the day in grave fear, right? Yeah. And he couldn't let down his guard, you know, just scared. The other brother, the warhead, um, how, as how the book says it, blasted the other brother open to how fleeting life could be. Yeah. He could no longer close. Yeah. He actually went the opposite. He could not close. He opened. He let everything fill him. Mm. He couldn't plan or be other than where he was. Wow. Okay? So why I think that's so valuable is because a lot of times, I'm going to kind of uh, talk about last week. We talked about being curious instead of judgmental. And okay. and the the essence of last week's show was, We assume because we have an experience, everybody else feels the exact same way we do. Right. And you and I talked for an hour about how that's not always true, how it can sometimes leave us open to being more understanding or empathetic. I mean, it's not like it's a bad thing to believe that we know how others feel. But when we become too sure about it... Yeah, certainty. Certainty can be a problem because it's not always true that your experience is someone else's. And I think this... Story and the discussion we're going to have is even a better example of how an experience can take you one of two ways. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how it, and one doesn't make you bad and one doesn't make you good necessarily, but that there is, there's a lot of dynamics at play. Um, You know, who you surround yourself with. Like I read a quote today, um, and I think when I said it, you said, Yeah, I know that quote. You are an average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah. Did you know that?
0: I've heard that many times. I think that's very powerful though.
1: Yeah. So that in itself is gonna be a determiner of how you view things.
0: So I have a few things. One is the first story you told me about the two brothers reminded me of Wayne Dyer because Wayne grew up in foster care. Yes. And he was an orphan. Yes. And he had a brother and his brother took the position of doesn't life suck? Right. And Wayne, and and it's safe to say that his brother didn't change as many lives as Wayne did. Right. And Wayne did the opposite. He used his experiences for the betterment of his fellow men and women out there.
1: For himself first.
0: Himself first. And
1: then everybody else.
0: And and another example of that is we all, a lot of us listening to this podcast have different kids. Uh, I'm sorry, multiple kids. We have mm-hmm. two, two or more. So... It's safe to say that most of us parent kind of in the same... We, we parent similarly towards each of our
1: kids. We use the same methodology, probably. Exactly.
0: Yet our kids are going to turn out different. Correct. And I think it's one of those things. Like, we kind of think that we have all this control and all this mm-hmm. influence over these kids of ours, when in actuality we have... If we're lucky, we don't have any control. But if we're lucky, we have a little bit of influence. But a lot of it has not as much to do with it that our influence as we think it does. The point being, our kids grow up in the same environment, the same mom, the same dad, the same sperm, you know, know, same DNA.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's from the same parents. Right, same parents.
0: And yet they act – They all come out completely different from one so another. So
1: my, that's always a spiritual question to me, because that means there must be something else at play. Right. Whenever anyone's like, everything is just biology and everything is just, you know, what you can see on an X-ray and everything is just the chromosomes. There's something else at play. Yeah. And I'm not even going to try and explain to you guys what it is, because what do I know? Right. All I know is it's mysterious enough. For me to understand that it's something I don't understand.
0: Well, and that's why identical twins are so interesting. They because are. Because they literally come from the same sperm and same egg. Correct. And they split up. So they have the identical DNA. Yeah. Yet, you know, we all have twins in our lives. Yeah. And, you know, I got a bunch. And this brother acts this way and that brother acts that right. way. And so, anyways.
1: Well, and a lot of that can be experience and how we view things, or how we were treated, or how we felt we were treated. And some of it is that mysterious stuff. Yeah. Some of it is, you know.
0: Well, you say mysterious stuff. I'll go ahead and say God or Source or Universe or something at play that we can't, yeah, describe.
1: And and as you know, um, what's his name? Joseph Campbell helped me understand Joseph Campbell, the you know theologian. And the philosopher, the philosopher of mysticism he, power of myth. He explains that we don't have the brain capacity to understand it. Mm-hmm. So for anyone who has certainty of this is how it works, this is what it is. Now, I have certainty in, in many scientific things, like I, I think research is super valuable, and I believe you know, the research that is up to date and is, you know, I believe the world is round, all that kind of stuff. Of course I do. But I also believe there's some things that are very difficult to research. Yeah, They're just things that... There is a piece of life that is uncertain and mysterious and I accept that and I think that there sometimes why we bang our heads against a wall is we think we should be able to understand it all or we are so human in our thinking or egoic What are what are you doing?
0: I'm removing a sticker off my computer.
1: Ah, all I can see is like Todd like really scrubbing at, at the, well, computer. Well,
0: I got the sticker off but now the glue is there. Uh, isn't c- that frustrating? Uh, it's kind of fun and frustrating oh, at the same time. Fun.
1: I like that. That's a good way to look at it. Um, so anyway, I just believe that some things are mysterious. Why? So we're bringing this up and having this conversation because Todd's saying we can have three kids, two kids, four kids, and they all kind of end up looking at things differently. And, you know, Todd, some people would say that's birth order. Some people would say, you environment. know, the, environment. Say environment. Some people believe in astrology really mm-hmm. deeply. Like it depends on when they were born, yeah. what, what year they were born. Yep, yep. So all those things are variables. And again, like I said, I don't have the answer for you. All I know is to be open to it. And I think that within that, like something uh, that I love is because I've studied psychology my whole life, is I love challenging theory, not challenging it because I want to win and be right about something different, but keep expanding the conversation. Because Really, for those of you who have studied psychology and theory and any kind of theory when it comes to um, therapy or, you know, counseling, is that they all basically just deviate off of each other. It's all kind of expanding. Well, this may be true, but, you know, we started with Freud and then Jung. They learn
0: from each other. They build on each other's work.
1: Exactly. We build and grow and learn and do more research. And so whenever anybody has certainty in psychology, I always love to then research, well, what else is going on here? Because, for example, you know, instead of being so general, one thing I love to teach in my class the day that we talk about uh, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, which is referred to as the DSM. The DSM, as we've explained on this show before, is a huge book.
0: Yeah, it used to be a pamphlet. Now it's a huge
1: book. Now it's a huge book um, of disorders. Yeah basically all the things that can go wrong with the human brain and chemical imbalances and such, and it's all the things we can label people with. And that used to be the focus of psychology, is how do we find what's wrong with somebody? Positive psychology Mm -hmm. came along and other versions of that, but positive psychology is probably the most popular and well-known. And it started saying, how can we look at what's right with people? Yeah. Which, I don't know about those of you who are listening, but that resonates so much more with me. It makes more sense to me. me. It doesn't mean the DSM is wrong, though. Just like we talk about, it's sometimes important, like if you have a child or if you yourself has something going on and you don't know what to call it, and then you're given language for it, if it'd be ADHD or anxiety or depression, you're like, okay, now I can understand this. So it has its value. But at the same time, simultaneously, what's working? And that's what positive psychology is.
0: Well, and if you're looking, you know, depending on what lens you're going to look at the world through, if you're looking for what's wrong with my kid, you're going to find plenty of things. And conversely, if you say to yourself, what's right with my kid, then you're going to find that many more things. So it all depends on what it is that you're looking for, and not only in our kids, but in ourselves for that it, matter.
1: Exactly. And that, and really, that's kind of the viewpoint is, you know, I kind of didn't know where I wanted to go with these brothers from Baghdad, the story that we told, but really, I believe that all of us are both of them. Yeah. Right?
0: I feel like now might be a good time to play the George Lucas thing. Oh, yeah, that, please you do. Want to do that? So, what are we listening to? Um,
1: I found this video. I think it was on a Facebook page called Goalcast. Yeah. And it was just a short um, video of George Lucas talking about his premise for Star Wars.
0: So, it's about a minute and 14 seconds. Here we go with the
2: big guy. The secret, ultimately, which is the bottom line of Star Wars and the other movies, is there are two kinds of people in the world compassionate people and selfish people the selfish people live on the dark side the compassionate people live on the light side and and if you go to the side of the light you will be happy because compassion helping other people not thinking about yourself thinking about others that gives you a joy that you can't get any other way being selfish following your pleasures always entertaining yourself with pleasure and buying things and doing stuff you're always going to be unhappy You'll never get to the point, you get this little instant shot of pleasure, but it goes away, and then you're stuck where you were before, and the more you do it, the worse it gets. You finally get everything you want, and you're miserable, because there's no, there's nothing at the end of that road. Whereas if you are compassionate and you get to the end of the road, you've helped so many people.
0: There
1: you go. Big guy. That's right. So, I love that... um, that, but I always, I always, I always have to say that it's not always that cut and dry.
0: Never is. You know, and it always is.
1: Right. I think that I find that very valuable because it created a great conversation between Todd and I, who obviously, you know, Todd loves Star Wars, as do I, but he's the big.
0: And I saw Rogue One.
1: Which I did not yet. And Uh, what do you think?
0: Um, I was... I wasn't that pleased.
1: Really? That's not what I thought you were going to say.
0: Well, my nephew screwed it up for me.
1: Oh, Max. And
0: he said it was better than The Force Awakens. So I went in with higher than realistic expectations. And there's this long battle scene. like It seemed like it took a half hour. It's a long movie. And I don't know. I think the older I get, the more I'm into stories and characters. Mm-hmm. And this was heavy on the action.
1: See, when someone tells you a movie is good, it's so subjective. Because there are some movies that people cannot disagree that it's good or bad or whatever. Yeah. But so many movies are based on what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. And there are obviously there are people who are going to action movies. And maybe Max is one of them. Yeah. That action movies, you know, when I watch, and I've only seen a few, but the Marvel comic movies, I'm like, I'm bored to death of the action. Like, it is so cool, Mm -hmm. meaning that what we can do now with cameras and what we can do with special effects, I get it. But OMG, like, how many scenes of this do I need to see? And so when he tells you it's a great movie, he could have been looking from a totally different perspective than you. His own. His own, exactly. So going back to that, though, I think... What I first of all, I agree with George Lucas, and that obviously I think that people who are living compassionately, they are going to find greater happiness. Not because necessarily they're going to have more money or be more successful or any of those things that we tend to focus on, but because they know what true joy comes from. They know what joy really feels like, and joy really feels like connection, and joy really feels like helping and supporting and growing.
0: Joy and, comes from uh, giving beyond yourself
1: and relationship yes. with others right. because when you're giving you're forming a relationship right. whereas what he's saying is the dark side is that sense of that it comes from something out there it's an external need it's a materialistic need and it's m- the misunderstanding that somehow when you get everything you want then you'll be happy and really to his point it's worse because you've reached when you've reached your limit you're like what else is there
0: well yeah like i was just listening to a tony video this morning and he's like you know i he coaches these really successful people who have set this goal of making a million dollars or ten million dollars or a hundred million dollars or whatever it is and then they get there and they realize that they're no happier Correct. as a matter of fact they're less happy because they've worked so hard thinking that this was going to bring them uh, happiness when really it does was fed their bank account but it didn't feed their emotional bank account and they don't feel fulfilled the the quickest path towards any type of meaningful life is to Give beyond yourself, to go beyond yourself, relationships, your kids, right. your coworkers, your families. It's relationships with people.
1: Helping Others. Others. Yes. And, you know, I remember we did a show after you and I saw the uh, master class with Ted Turner where he talked about his own father set certain goals. And when he reached them, he became really depressed Mm -hmm. because he had no idea he would reach them. And then what he taught his son, Ted Turner, is he said, create goals that are beyond your reach. And Ted Turner understood that and actually went beyond even that. Not only did he create goals beyond his reach, but he figured out that it's more about helping the planet and helping other people. And I think
0: I found it. do to hear it. Ted
2: sure, Turner? sure. Go ahead. My, my father told me when I was a small boy that, that he, he strongly recommended that I set my goals so high that I couldn't achieve them in my lifetime because he had he had set his goals. Uh, he set a goal after the depression uh, that he would be a millionaire and have a yacht and a plantation. And he had a small plantation and he had a small yacht and he was a millionaire and he couldn't. Uh, 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 refocus his, his life. And he said, I made a mistake doing that. I'm having a lot of trouble now because I've, I've achieved my goals. And uh, he said, please set your goals so high that you can't achieve them. So I'm trying to help save the world and I think that's probably, you know, higher than, I I, I don't anticipate achieving it completely but I would like to.
0: Um, That's interesting.
1: And isn't that really, if we're going to jump into kind of the the bigger picture isn't that what we're all trying to do is you know a lot of people the whole saving the world thing they get this picture of you know going to another country and like helping people in like war torn countries or and really it doesn't have to be we don't have to travel somewhere to do this yeah. you know like we can make those kind of big changes and say to ourselves i would like to change the world or save the world and do it one step at a time in our own lives now ted turner obviously had the means and the vision to do it in a much bigger way like he we've talked about him on the show before yes, we so long time listeners are going to be like i remember you guys talking about ted turner but he literally brought like the bison back. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah,
0: they were endangered. They, their outlook did not look good. Yeah. And he single handedly uh, turned it around for the buffalo. Come on. Tatonka.
1: And some will say, well, great for the buffalo, but no, great for the earth because all of those animals are necessary in our ecosystem. That's one of the things that I'm so, you know, always get so concerned about with climate change is because obviously we think about the earth itself, but we have a lot of animals who can't be sustained and a lot of insects, but... I'm not going to go down that path because it's too, too much for me right now. You don't want to, um, handle, the one
0: thing I want to say real quick is, you know, Ted Turner, this happened be earlier in the masterclass, but as he just said, he wanted to save the world yes. and talk about a lofty goal. Yes. Um, and the thing is, you can't save the world unless you first save yourself. Correct. So a lot of times we kind of get outside of ourselves and we're trying to do everything for everybody else. And the first step is for us to change ourselves right. and then we change our, we help our families and then there's a ripple effect beyond that. And then he, and then you end up becoming successful like Ted Turner and you end up saving the Buffalo and then you end up. But I think a lot of times is we get stuck in like, well, h- how can I save the world? I can't do anything. And you lean into it. You baby step your way mm-hmm. through it. Because if you would have started with that saying, he's going to save the world through Buffalo You know, when he was a younger man, he never would have been able to do it.
1: And he couldn't have foreseen what he was going to do. And it's interesting because in that George Lucas clip, that's the only part that I know I struggle with as someone who really understands self-awareness and self-care is when he said, you don't think about yourself. You only think about others. And while I understand what he's trying to say, which is the joy and the happiness comes from the helping others – if you don't at all think about yourself, if you're not self-aware, if you don't take care of your needs, you don't have the capacity to help others. So we always have to keep that piece in there without thinking that taking care of yourself is a selfish act. Now, if your entire life is about just you and your needs and your materialistic needs and your vanity, well, of course, we're getting into the selfish area. But what I'm talking about is the Um, I have to sleep and I can't do this for everybody else because I need my rest so I can get up and do my parenting job and get up and go to my work and get up and actually participate in the world the way that I need to to be an effective human being. That kind of self-care where we know you know, sometimes the greatest act of self-care is a no and sometimes the greatest act is a yes depending on your situation. But um, I also wanted to say there was something else about –
0: did I did I mess up your mojo? No,
1: no, because I it was it was something else about Ted Turner. But that's okay. I really just wanted to, you know, make that point about George Lucas and that he he with giving those two examples of being on the dark and the light, first of all, Todd and I had an interesting conversation about where I said to him, How do people not know oh, yeah. that they're on the dark side? And I said, that's confusing to me. Like I I, I'm I'm very aware that it's not that literal, where some people are good and some people are bad. Like we are all many things, and but sometimes when people's actions are so harmful toward other people, how do they go see Star Wars and not understand that they're not Luke Skywalker? Right. And Todd,
0: my response is some people have an ideology of if you 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 think you're helping somebody by giving them something when actually the best thing you can do for them. And you can even bring it into a parenting thing. If you give your kids everything, you're not helping them. Instead, you got to make them work for their money, for their friends, for their accomplishments.
1: We make their life difficult because we think we're teaching them that life is exactly. hard. Exactly.
0: Right? That's how they think that they're helping the world.
1: Got it. So they are still thinking I am doing light work, Yeah. even though it can show up it feeling may, kind of dark. It
0: may appear dark to some, but the end result. Some people have the idea that uh, you can, uh, you know, it, it's not helpful to be a permissive parent to give your kids everything that they want. Sometimes you have to not give them what they want. And I'm trying to keep it out of the political right, spectrum, right. which is why I'm bringing it back to parenting. parenting it would be easier to explain this through a political thing, but I'm not going to. Thank you. So that's why and, but it doesn't translate as well.
1: Well, and I think what's more interesting to me and maybe to those of you who are listening is that there is no such thing as being one or the other. Mm-hmm. Is there's? I think we there used to be kind of this thought that people were either good or bad and even in our movies and our media we had characters like Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker but what we've had more in the last 10 years or so has been more people like Tony Soprano Mm -hmm. who you look at him and say oh my gosh he's a gangster he's hurt people, he's killed people, he's this awful guy and then you get to sit in on his therapy and you hear that he, how hurt he was and how challenged he is and how he doesn't want to do certain things and um or, you know, I didn't watch Breaking Bad, but, you know, characters like that. Yeah. And maybe maybe Walter White's horrible. I don't know. I didn't watch it. So did you? do you know? Never. You didn't really watch it. No idea. So – but we're starting to – some of the characters on TV and in our media and even in on the world stage, we're starting to recognize that there aren't human beings that are all good and human beings that are all bad. There's just m- more real people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also – Um, But I'll at the same time say something that I – one of the quotes that's super important to me that's on my vision board um, is – this is kind of my balancing agent. And I've either read it on the show before or I posted it on Facebook, maybe both. But I'll read it to you again and it's by Helen Keller. My optimism then does not rest on the absence of evil but on a glad belief in the preponderance of good. And a willing effort always to cooperate with the good and that it may prevail. The reason why that quote is important to me is I am not pollyanna in the way I see the world. I see people hurting each other every day. I work with people who are hurt every day. I work with people who have hurt people all the time or, or did more in the past. So I'm not in denial that right. there are people out there who do things that some may p- be perceived as evil, or we may just all perceive as evil. But what I am aware of, or what I believe, is that good good is predominant. Yeah, and that inside of every person, that goodness has more power to win. Just like bringing it back to Star Wars, yeah. what does Yoda say? Dark side is faster.
0: I don't know if this is the quote, but I think it's close. Okay. If once you start down the
2: dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny, consume you it will, as it dead Obi-Wan's apprentice. Vader,
0: is the dark side stronger? No, no, no. Quicker, easier, more seductive. No, that's it.
1: Quicker, easier, more seductive. It might, it's like when we go to fear. It's, it may be the quick solution. It may make a change in that moment, but in the long run, how harmful it can be. And, and what I know, because here's the thing, you guys, I work with people, I talk to them every day. This is not just about the way I perceive the world inside of my own body. People know the right thing. They know the right thing. The question is, are they willing to do it? Because sometimes they want the fast solution. They want to look a certain way. They don't want to apologize. They don't want to lose, say, they want to save face. They don't want to do something because it'll take longer. There's all these excuses that we have in the way, but they know the right thing. Mm-hmm. As Maya Angelou would say, just do right. It's that simple.
0: Well, and it's one of those things. We kind of all know the right Thing to right, do. Right. The tricky part is to behave that way, it's to act upon those thoughts. Correct. That's the hard part. Yeah. The easy part in knowledge, you know, we talked about Daniel Pink last week or a few weeks ago. Knowledge is kind of dead. We have a device in our hands mm-hmm. at all times that can pretty much answer any question in the world.
1: Well, and doesn't Jonathan Fields say in his book, if knowledge was really the solution to our problems, then we would all be yeah. successful, fit, right. happy, all these things we We know what for. it takes
0: to have a healthy body. We do. We know what it takes to have a healthy mind, yeah. uh-huh. yet... Many of us don't have that. Can we really quickly talk about our partner there? Sure. Sweet, sweetie. I'm going to call you something else, but it's probably not appropriate okay. for the show.
1: Oh, what was it? Oh, don't even tell me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of pet nicknames for you. One of them, I know. What, la- lately, it's been honky-tonk.
1: I know. I don't know where that came from. I don't
0: know I'm- where any of these... Con- I-, I feel like it's Chevy Chase from uh, Vacation. Like
1: Liver Lips? Hey,
0: Liver Lips. I'm talking to you. Hey, underpants, move your chicken wings, turkey. When he's in the bar. You know that part? Yes, I do. Anyways, I digress.
1: And doesn't she say, are you happy now, Clark? She's She's deaf.
0: deaf. he's like, oh, what's the difference? It was fun anyways. Maybe I'll pull that up. Okay. Um, So Healthy Habits, happymoms.com slash zen. Yeah. They are our partner. They have a flagship course. It's a 12-month journey specifically designed with the real mom in mind. Uh, it's for bu- busy moms who want healthy bodies, sound minds and permanent lasting freedom from food and weight loss obsession. We're big fans of these three ladies who started it. They're from Iowa, the Hawkeye State. You got to check them out at slash zen Well,
1: they must be great because we posted something on Facebook about it and all these people are like, "I'm already in this. Yeah. I love this." Yeah. So, you have obviously got to check it out, so, you know?
0: Anyways, um conference chatter.
1: Oh, so okay, you guys it's next month. Holy um,
0: I was going to say holy guacamole, but you can say holy shmoly.
1: I think it's just crazy. Uh, so I spent yesterday like ordering things because Todd, you know, basically we talk for a year about things and get things in order. And then like two months before, you have to pull the trigger on everything. Trigger so is being is, pulled. It's being pulled. Now it's time to. You know, get everything in order, get everything ordered, and um, it's just so great, and I'm just so excited, and I had a brunch this morning where we were talking about all these things we're going to do, and I'm so excited. So, anyway. Get your tickets. Zen Parenting Radio Conference, February 24th, 25th. Rob Bell, Rosalind Wiseman, Ali Smith. Amazing, empowering speakers who are going to talk about rearrange our thinking, um, give us new ways to see things and experience things. Uh, Bring your teen. We got a lot of teens coming. Um, You know, bring yourself. If you're having issues with paying for your ticket, please contact us at comments at radio.com. We have something called Zen Friend. And there have been people who have been giving money to make sure that other people who – maybe can pay part of their ticket or some of their ticket can get their full ticket paid for. So please email us.
0: Um, Support the the Zen Friend Scholarship Fund fund, because we didn't get any in the last week.
1: Are you sure?
0: Positive, sweetie.
1: In the last week. Okay, that makes sense. Last week. Because we had two the week before. So anyway, that is it. Uh, Go to zenparentingradio.com, click events, and you'll see where to go.
0: There you go. Um, And then real quickly, we have a Friday show coming up where we interview an amazing lady named Anne-Marie Churriso. I think that's how you pronounce Mm -hmm. her last name. And um, so here's a quick clip from this Friday's interview with Anne-Marie.
1: One of the things this is this is key when I'm teaching mindfulness. Um, lots of people have labels for emotions. You know all yes. this, so there's good emotions and bad emotions, right. and you know I'm constantly educating around this idea that emotions are just energies in motion. Correct. They are neutral mm-hmm. and they're all super valuable. Mm-hmm. So we actually want anger. Anger mm-hmm. is of service to us. Sadness of, is of service. They're all of service to our humanity, to mm-hmm. our humans being mm-hmm. in the world. So we don't label emotions. We welcome them. Mm. That's right.
0: Thanks, Anne-Marie. There you go.
1: Yeah. You know, we really loved that interview. We probably went longer than we ever have before. An hour and
0: 15 long minutes, but it flew by.
1: And it's interesting that you played that clip because there was a few words that she shared during the interview that I really loved. And one of them was that because I, what she was talking about is something I teach all the time and her, I've probably heard it before, but for some reason it resonated stronger when she said it is that all feelings are neutral. I really liked using that word and I've used it a few times since. Because it doesn't—they don't all have to have, um, you know—they all have value, and none of them are more important than another. And our focus, especially in this country, is about happy, happy, right—the pursuit of happiness, yeah—and that we feel that that's what we must be feeling at all times. Yet that's completely impossible it for a human being you the only way to know happy is to know sad and the only way to know where we want to go is to go somewhere where, where we don't want to be yeah so they're all valuable and they're all giving information to keep us on our journey
0: so what's interesting is this Thursday she's doing a webinar with Dr. Shafali
1: awesome
0: and it's January 12th go to bringithome.me and um, click on programs, I think, or okay. it'll be on our homepage. Yeah. So I told Anne-Marie that I would help promote her webinar. I'm actually signed up. I'm going to be on it January 12th. Awesome. As an attendee. So give
1: the website one more time.
0: Uh, Bringithome.me.
1: Bringithome.me.
0: And she is doing a webinar with Dr. Chivali. It's completely free, and just sign up for it. And it's going to be t- talking about kids, overwhelming stress in school, and so on and so forth. So check it, check that out. What else you got, Stevie?
1: Well, um, I wanted to I don't know how close we are to the end. We're getting close? there. Okay. So I wanted to read something um also that is very because you know, we started the show by talking about how experiences rearrange us. And they every experience we have, if it be good or challenging or scary or whatever they rearrange our thinking and our viewpoint on the world and it, this kind of lends to emotions being neutral is we don't have to protect ourselves from that happening that's exactly what life is i think sometimes we get we think that life is supposed to be we're supposed to feel a certain way, and unless we feel that way, then we're not living life correctly. And life is just a series of different emotions and different experiences and being rearranged and growing up. That's what wisdom is. That's what maturity is. Our unwillingness to learn from our experiences keeps us very young. And I don't mean young in like the physical way. I mean young in our thinking. Right. Because that's this kind of certainty, black and white thinking. Where I believe as we get older, what wisdom is, is an understanding of everybody and many sides and having a deep empathy and compassion based on our own experiences or the people that we've learned from or things that we've seen. And so um, I, I wanted to read this because, you know, I just thought it was very beautiful. Whether our transforming event is dramatic or subtle, once our gift is exposed, it's our job to keep it in the open though no one can stay permanently awake. We take turns being clouded and clear. Mm. Isn't that a great thing for um, like a couple? Like sometimes we're clouded, sometimes we're clear. We take turns. Sometimes we're
0: clouded together. Yes. And sometimes you're clouded and I'm clear. Right. And vice versa.
1: And part of our job in relationship, if it be with your partner or your children or with your friends, is to be cognizant of when we're clouded, if possible, that's kind of awareness. You know, sometimes we don't know till hindsight, but knowing when we're clouded and clear.
0: Well, and that's our job is for, I know you just talked about parenting, but there's times when me as the parent, I'm cloudy and right. our, my kid is clear, Correct. yet we're telling them what they're doing wrong right. it's just because we're cloudy. And vice versa. Sometimes your kid's struggling, and the only way for you to help your kid is for you to have a sense of clarity about it. And yourself.
1: sometimes clarity means shut up and stop talking. Yeah. Not not your child, but you. Yeah. When you're clear, sometimes the best thing to do is to be quiet yeah. and listen. So again, we take turns being clouded and clear. Today I might be awake for a time, then trip and fall, while you're awake longer. You know, you and I have days like that. Like sometimes I'm more awake or sometimes you're more awake and you can help me bring some clarity or perspective to something. While you're awake, you're the teacher. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, you might be shut down. You might get something in your heart's eye and you'll be squinting, unable to quite keep it open. That day, I might be clear and I'll be the teacher.
0: Well, and it's funny because you and I rarely get into any... mm, whatever, fights, whatever the word is. Right. You, but isn't it safe to say that when that happens, it's when we're both cloudy? For sure. Like because like,
1: our defenses are up.
0: Right. And usually, and that's a thing, it's so funny, because we just had a listener say, you know, how how do you and Todd have such a healthy marriage? Do you have any? And she had,
1: They said you must be in
0: therapy. You yeah. must be in therapy. Mm-hmm. At, you know, couples therapy or we're whatever. Not. And we're not. And the reason, and where I'm going with this is, that you and I both spend a lot of time working on ourselves in very different ways. You have a formal meditation practice. You, you read books. I don't. I watch YouTube clips of inspirational stuff. We take care of ourselves in very different ways. Yes. Um, but if we are, by doing that, that activity of taking care of ourselves, we're keeping ourselves clear as often as possible.
1: Beautiful. And then we come to each other as clear as we can, and then we practice from that place. Yes. And take responsibility for our lack of clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, own it. Own it. Like there are times that I just like lately um, in political ways, I will just like say, Todd, just listen to me for a second. And I'll just dump all this information on him, and I'll say, you need to know this. You need to know this. And really, he doesn't. I just need to say it and I need to be heard and I totally know that and and what he is for me is just someone who's willing to hear me and acknowledge what's important to me I'm not asking him to change anything I'm not asking him to go be any more political than he is now what I'm saying is will you hear me because my voice I need to hear my own voice and I need you to witness what I'm saying and There is a there's a clarity from both of us that you know what I need Mm. or you're you think you do. You know, sometimes we have to talk about it Um, and I need to be clear that it's not Todd's responsibility to make me feel better. Right. It's just can I take responsibility for what I'm really looking for? My, it's
0: my responsibility to give you the space to feel what you're feeling.
1: Correct. That's Correct. my responsibility. And my responsibility is to not think that Todd is the solver of problems yeah. and that he's so supposed to go out and do something to make my feelings better. Right. But, it, you know, and these are, you know, so someone will say, well, how do you do that? I don't know. So you practice. I
0: really like that. What is that book?
1: Well, I'm not done. Can oh, I give you the sure. last sentence? So. No one can avoid the turbulence of being alive. Yeah, it's OK? Humanity. Because like we started, certain experiences rearrange us. No matter what it is, Walking, becoming a human being is by nature a challenging experience. It's also amazing and awesome and, and awe-inducing. Mm-hmm. But no one can avoid the turbulence of being alive. Just as everything in the natural world faces friction and erosion, human beings face the erosion of experience called suffering. There's no escaping this. Though being awake and wholehearted can help us move through difficulty more easily. It's beautiful. Okay, and you you know who it's gonna be? Who is this, Toddie? Nepo. It's Nepo. Yeah. It's the one life we're given, and um, I've shared other parts of this book I think before, but I just happened to be reading it again this morning and came across this. Mark Nepo, the one life we're given, finding the wisdom that waits in your heart. This comes from page 142. Um, The chapter is the career of awakening just by you know definition the at the top of the page it says by staying in relationship we gather meaning by staying in relationship our spirit draws closer to the surface to follow our aliveness is the career of awakening i love that i
0: I love the cloudy clear thing too too. and i don't know for some reason i like the whole idea of in a relationship in a husband wife or
1: parent (laughs) child parent child whatever
0: Mm -hmm. um you know it's it's funny because you know I, I said this to you whatever a few months ago you were having a bad day, and you said, "I'm hungry."
1: yeah, yeah,
0: and as a guy, I thought that you meant that you were hungry. Mm-hmm. Now, you were hungry, but you were also having a bad day and you wanted to be taken care of and nurtured a little bit in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I was also cloudy that day because I had a kind of a crappy day or whatever. And
1: your the way you reacted to me was with annoyance. And right. you will say, no, I wasn't annoyed, but your reaction right. was annoyed. I was. you were like, sorry, you're well, hungry. Yeah. And
0: if I would have been having a good day, I would have been... Mm, in a better place to take care of Correct, you. Correct, right. Because that's what we do is we take care of each other. Right. So in that moment, I was cloudy. You were cloudy. Correct. The problem is neither one of us... Knew we were cloudy. Knew we were cloudy. My friend, Mark Fusani, who is one of my customers, he has a code word with his wife. And I don't know why he came out with it, but it's chocolate. Like whenever they... <laughs> um, like, uh, this may not translate, but like when, let's say he wasn't listening, she's trying to say something and he wanted, she wanted him to validate and listen and he was being dismissive of, of her. They would have a code word of when she started feeling small
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the code word is chocolate.
1: It's really good.
0: And she, so he would start doing his thing and she'd be like, Chocolate. Because I, as a guy, I would love that code word, mm-hmm. or I would love that sign on our forehead, mm-hmm. to know when you're having a bad day, or when you're cloudy, or when you need to be taken care of, or when you're below the line. Like we have all this different language mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for it, and we don't. We're 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 sure, we're detectives trying to figure each yes, other out.
1: That's what I was. But you know what? Instead of oh my gosh, we have to be detectives. It's you're a detective. Mm-hmm. That is what it means to be human. Yeah. We get so exasperated by the fact that things are mysterious and we don't always know. And yet, I want to be like, but that's it. Yeah. You have to. You don't get, this is not a book. A person is a person. They are not a list of rules to follow. We are human beings having emotional experiences based on how we view the world and how we experience life. And so, to say that. When Kathy says this, I'm going to do this. When Kathy does this, I'm going to do this. It doesn't work that way.
0: Well, right. and on Friday's interview with Anne-Marie, she started talking about how it's a game that you're playing. Yeah, and, always. And, and that may be kind of not the best connotation, but if you look at it like maybe things aren't so serious. Right. And you do look at it as a game. Right. And when your wife is kind of going nuts on you because of whatever, it's a game and figure it out and be a well, detective. and
1: I am I know what you mean, but the, <laughs> the wife going nuts on you. Well, when that's... the husband goes nuts on the wives, whatever. Right. And really what you're saying is when the wife is having an emotional experience and you don't get it, right. it's not that we are nuts. Right. You're trying to figure us out. Well,
0: We them. are as nuts as you guys are.
1: Correct. That every and we should probably correct
0: our language by using the term nuts because—
1: Well, you're we, the one who used the term. I'm
0: going to correct my language <laughs> because we just have what's-her-name on.
1: Uh, Alexa, Alexa right, National
0: Alliance NAMI. of Mental illness, illness, yeah. illness, shame on me.
1: Right. Well, and just I'm trying the, to be
0: cognizant correct. of that.
1: And so there's two levels to that, like that statement, because there's one level of using nuts can be disparaging of yeah. people who are really struggling with True. their own mental well-being. Thank you. The other piece is that <clears throat> having an emotional experience is somehow nuts, mm. you know, that it, that's somehow like a negative thing. Right. And so and that it would be the woman because we actually on the show of Friday, we talk about that yeah. because you bring up something like there, there's something on the show where you say, well, you know, I don't like having these conversations, but because I love my wife, I'm willing to have these conversations with her. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. When I'm bringing up a conversation, it's not all about me. Right. It's about how we are interacting with each other. Right. And it's who's going to bring it up. Yeah. Because if there is, and I kept using this as an example, and I'll bring it back to Star Wars, if there is a disturbance in the force at, in my home, I may be the canary in the coal mine that can feel it. But that doesn't mean that it isn't happening to Nobody everybody Nobody knows else. what
0: canary in the coal mine means.
1: Well, some people do. Uh, I, I got it from Glennon's book, uh, Love Warrior. She talks about. And I think in Carry On Warrior, she talks about that feeling people in the world... The people who can feel things at a really energetic level are like canaries in a coal mine, which means that a long time ago, miners, before we had equipment to tell us when things were going to destabilize yeah. underneath the earth, they would bring a canary down with them. And the canary could feel or would die or would pass out yeah. when there was gas. Yeah, before. And so before the humans would experience it. And that's sometimes the feeling people in your home, which I tend to be. I can detect that something's going on, and I may not know what it is, and I'm not blaming other people. It may be my crap, yeah. but there's something, there's a disturbance, and so I will bring it up, and I may then circle back and say, you know what, that was totally mine, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's something going on with Todd or something going on between us. Yeah. <clears throat> like one more example, I know we have to go, but in this last week, um, it's been the last week of break, Todd has been very sick. Um, we had a daughter who had her tonsils out, huge surgery. Um, so we've been home together, yeah. But we have not been together because Todd has been sick. Star-crossed lovers, and he—he he and I have worked in the same office, but he's been—we've been managing our two kids and then our daughter who needed a lot of attention. So we're just kind of like breezing past each other. And so a few days ago, I said, and I I started by saying, I know this is going to sound crazy because we've been in each other's presence every day, but I don't feel connected to you Mm -hmm. because we're sleeping in different beds because, you know, scatter hasn't felt good. And because you've been sick, when someone's sick, you're not holding hands and cuddling. Right. You know what I mean? So I said, can we just, you and I do something for two hours? Mm -hmm. And that's really all we did, two hours. We We went out to dinner. We
0: got uh, rigatoni with uh, cheese and red sauce. And
1: um, squid. asparagus. Oh, that asparagus. was so good.
0: And the, uh, what do I say? The squid. What is it? Calamari. Calamari. Mm-hmm. Calamari. calamari. Deep fried. And Anybody who gets grilled calamari, I don't trust you people. <laughs> you got to go deep fried. <laughs> Anybody who thinks uh, grilled calamari is better than deep fried breaded calamari, I don't get it.
1: Well, they may not think it's better. They may just be choosing it because it's better for them.
0: That could be. I'll give you that. But if you say it tastes better You're a liar.
1: So then after dinner, whenever Todd and I do get to go out to dinner, he knows that I love dessert because people who don't eat dessert, I just think you're missing out on a really beautiful part of life. And I just, I don't (laughs) like flourless chocolate cake because it's just like a brownie and I just don't like it. Yeah.
0: What's the point? What's
1: the point? If you're going to have chocolate cake, it's got to be. So we looked at the menu and I said, let's just drive through Portillo's and get a piece of chocolate cake.
0: Many people don't know what Portillo's is, but it's kind of high end fast food that has ridiculously good chocolate cake and People who get married around here get their wedding cakes <laughs> yes. from Portillo's.
1: And I get, that's my birthday cake every year.
0: And the secret ingredient is? Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. Which I
1: don't even like. But Crazy. But it's in there, so I've heard. Yeah. is it, That really is the secret I ingredient. I think it right? is. Yeah. It's so good. And you can't taste mayonnaise, for those of you who are who We should are
0: like, bring some to the conference. We should get a few how chocolate. How many? Just get it. We'll, we'll, we'll do a raffle.
1: For a big chocolate cake? You can ship them now.
0: Yeah, I know. I don't need uh, Last to. year,
1: I tried to do, ship it to somebody, and they wouldn't do it. No, oh, really? they will. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, we'll just buy a few chocolate cakes and uh, hand them out to people who ask the best questions at the conference.
1: We'll just throw chocolate cakes around? Yeah. We'll and just, have a
0: food fight? No, we'll we'll slice them up into small pieces. Oh, I love chocolate cake for Portillo's.
1: So anyway... That was a, that was nice. Even if it was only a couple hours, it was important. And my, my point in bringing that up <laughs> is when I feel disconnected and vulnerable and tired, and I notice that Todd is kind of just going through the motions of the day, that is a very vulnerable place to say to Todd, can we spend time together? Because if he says no, or if he says, well, we're already together, I'm already feel- feeling vulnerable. And if he responds with something other than sure, then I'm gonna be even more sad.
0: You're gonna withdraw.
1: Right. Or um, lash
0: out, but you're not a lasher outer. No, you're a I'd, withdrawer. I'd
1: withdraw. And so then I'd have to get up the, the uh gumption. The gumption again to bring it up again, which is challenging. But of course you didn't say we've practiced this Plenty of times. And you were like, of course.
0: Practice makes perfect.
1: You're like, let's go out.
0: We got two iTunes reviews. One is from Nukester71 from the United States of America. It says, be curious and not judgmental. We got another one from Lily S. from the US of A. Hands down, my favorite podcast. So thanks to. What um, did
1: the, the one that says "be curious and judgmental"? What does that be
0: mean? Be curious, not judgmental. I'm I'm always amazed at the timely and timeless nature of Todd and Kathy's shows. Listening to this episode on perception, oh, episode, An interpretation could not have come at a better time. Oh, good. But I'm beyond so this specific episode, the message and perspectives these two bring to situations is unique, entertaining, and unmatched in my experience. Oh, wow,
1: that's a really nice review. Thank you. Thank yeah, you, that everybody. was nice.
0: Thanks for those iTunes reviews. Thanks for going to the conference. Thanks for sharing our Facebook posts. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Just thanks.
1: And one more thing, guys. Uh, Next Wednesday, January 18th, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, January 18th, 2017, we have our screening of Newtown. Mm -hmm. There's a few tickets left. If you would like some, go to zenparentingradio.com, click on events, and you can get a free ticket. It's at the Elmhurst Public Library.
0: And uh, just keep trucking, everybody. And this Friday, Anne-Marie, you will not be disappointed. You will love this show all right be good
2: hi
1: everyone thanks for listening we appreciate it and we hope you'll join us next time if you're a fan of zen parenting radio consider leaving us a review on itunes this helps people find us you can also just tell a friend about our show that's our favorite kind of marketing todd and i do speaking engagements about zen parenting and self-awareness so if you have an interested group or organization contact us at comments and zenparentingradio.com. And get your early bird tickets for our big Let's Get Real Zen Parenting Conference February 24th and 25th at the Westin in Lombard. Todd and I will be speaking Friday night, and we have Rob Bell, Rosalind Wiseman, and Ali Smith as our keynotes on Saturday.
0: If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. (laughs) on the phone skype or in person we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals the website is toddadamscoaching.com and we also have a monthly men's group so if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with check out the tribe if you ever shop on amazon you can help us out by first going through the amazon link on our home page it doesn't cost anything to you but we get a small commission from amazon And finally, I want to thank our two amazing partners, Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Jeremy Kraft, that bald-headed beauty from Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks and keep on trucking.